Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been a beautiful and relatively quiet day in Vancouver. It's exactly the opposite uh, in to what's happening uh, in France. More than a million people, yes, a million people, have joined a day of protests and strikes, according to France's Interior Ministry, against plans to push back the age of retirement from 62 uh, to 64. Some 80,000 protests took to the streets of Paris uh, alone. Take a listen. It's a mass protest against President Macron's plans to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. Here's what some commuters are saying about today's action. It's very difficult. The train I was supposed to take this morning was cancelled. I hope things would be okay in my town, that there will be buses running and I'll be able to move around. I support the strike action. It's a way to express dissatisfaction with the government's decisions. It's good to have a dialogue. No, I don't understand. Because it's always the same people who go on strike, those in the transport sector. We're also going to retire one day, but we in the private sector don't go on strike, and we're the ones who suffer. No, it's not okay. And that has been an ongoing debate, not only in France, but in many um, uh, G7 nations. Now, France spends nearly 14% of its GDP on state pensions, a significant number. Uh, now, as you may rec- uh, recall, uh, and this is all, by the way, to, to help France, the, the French government, to tackle a pension funding deficit. Uh, you may recall here in Canada uh, that uh, we had moved our uh, retirement age to 67 under Pr- uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And when Justin Trudeau was elected, the majority government with the, the federal liberals, they moved it down to 65 once again. But it's an ongoing conversation. Joining me now to talk about uh, pension reform and a few other things in the news is Global BC's Richard Zussman. He's, of course, their legislative reporter. Thank you for joining us, Richard. My pleasure, Jess. Thanks for having me. So walk, walk me through this. What are your thoughts on this? I was watching this, and I go, you know, one thing the French do very well is protests, and, and I admire mm-hmm. them for it. But it is an ongoing issue, isn't it, across uh, Canada, uh, the U.S., where I think the United States, their, their official uh, retirement age is 67 as well. Uh, what are your think, thoughts on this? Do you think we'll get to a point where we one day may go back to the official retirement age being 67 uh, here in Canada? It is a massive pressure point for various different reasons. First Mm -hmm. off, any change in this demographic has an impact at the polls. We know that old people vote and they turn out in numbers. And that cohort between 60 and 70 uh, are the ones that can largely dictate or have in the past been able to dictate the outcome of elections. So governments are slow to make changes that will have profound financial impacts on that group. But the other pressure point that we're feeling are these boomers who are moving to the point of retirement, and that is putting an unprecedented amount of financial pressure on the system. And if somehow a Canadian government can figure out a way to ensure they stay in power while moving the age to 67, I think they would do it because it allows them that freedom where the pensions don't get accessed for a few more years, 
And therefore, that money, and yes, pension funds are separated from operating fees of government. But these pension funds do cost governments a lot, a lot of money. And uh, the big pressure point is coming now as our population ages and that baby boomer grouping sort of pushes its way through retirement. Yeah, I mean, uh, the decision by Mr. Trudeau, I understand why it would be popular, but it was, one would argue, a political decision, not certainly not a financial decision. Some would even argue not a responsible decision. Life expectancy today in Canada is 82 years, uh, compared to 77 in 1990. Yeah. I'm just looking at uh, if Canada uh, is one of just seven OECD member nations where the pension eligibility age is not currently set to rise, which I find very interesting. In the U.S., um, government pension payments cannot be claimed by anyone born since 1960 until they reach their 67th birthday. Um, so that's a very interesting numbers. Now, one would argue, well, well, the Europeans are much more generous. Well, the study by the Fraser Institute found that 16 of the 22 countries covered have increased or plan to increase retirement program age thresholds above 65 and five of those nations think of this denmark finland italy netherlands and portugal all of them will want to link eligibility increases to life expectancy so those are probably the most generous of european nations the denmark finland the italy north netherlands and portugal and even they're they're raising this issue it's, it, it is um i mean i don't know who how you do this and mr harper certainly did but some would argue well, well that was part of his demise that uh, that's how we uh, mr trudeau was able to get some of the some attract some of those votes i mean how do you do this now i mean i don't know how you sell this i'm going to make sure you work a little bit longer please vote for me yeah especially now with the shortages we're seeing in the system universally right mm-hmm. there are pressure points as younger people find different ways to do traditional work these jobs are many of the jobs that have been long-term sustaining work in our public service and in our private sector that aren't the sort of jobs, mostly, that young people want to step in immediately and say, sign me up for this. And that's going to be a problem for the government, for employers as well. So there are some really significant pressure points going on. And as life expectancy, it's it's not getting any less. It's going to, keep, going to continue to go up. Those trends that you were mentioning, comparing back to 1990, we look 20 years down the road here, and that age is likely going to jump up another five to 10 years. Yeah. And for every year you jump up, there's more financial pressure put on the system because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk uh, about another issue, but this is local. Uh, The Powell River Queen is being sold after decades of working on BC's coast, uh, the uh, for 58 years, uh, the Power of a Queen is, has been uh, working uh, and running between Campbell River and Quadra Island. Uh, it is now up for sale. Uh, it looks like it's going to be auctioned off by Ritchie Brothers. And so far, the highest offer is $82,000. And I saw that number, I thought, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you know, imagine buying a ferry and could you not refurbish it? And let's say you put a couple hundred thousand dollars in, that's a lot of money, but you're getting the ferry for 82,000 and this thing's you know it's not a bad size it used to hold 400 passengers 61 vehicles I mean you could almost have a house put you would think at a pretty good rate yeah you could but I'm not sure you'd want a boat that was built back in 1965 but it would be a hell of a place to hold a party for sure jazz I'm not sure (laughs) it's one of those things that you could operate anymore as a reliable ferry but just park it we know, we know based on what BC Ferries does, Jazz, they milk as much out of those vessels as they can get. But it sure would be fun. Maybe we could team up a, 
you know, global CKNW fairy that wanders around uh, and moves to listeners and viewers around Vancouver for tours in the summer. Well, if it sells for eighty-two, let's say you put a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand. So, look, let's say it's under that's three hundred thousand. You think you could moor it somewhere? You got yourself a little uh, houseboat, or maybe it's a pop-up restaurant, but on the water. Maybe that's what it is. I just it's, it's BC Ferries is moving uh, moving along in regards to slowly but surely replacing a lot of these older vessels that have done done their gig for BC taxpayers, haven't they? They sure have, and you would have a piece of BC history, that's for sure. But I think we all expect at some point, I know this is Richie's brothers, but we'll have to look at BC bid because at some point a wood splitter may become available, and you too could also own a piece of BC's history in that regard. But, is it- you know, we, we need these vessels to work. We have had challenges over time about where we build our BC ferries, but these have been reliable vessels that last a long time. And the province does try to maximize, or BC ferries does try to maximize the usability of vessels like this one. But it is, it does sound like a deal to me. Eighty-two thousand bucks. Maybe after someone hears this, they say, "Well, this is a, an offer that's too good to be true. I've got to put in a bid." But I think part of it is, like you said, expensive to more, yeah. expensive to repair, and then there's another. Sort of an aside, but there was this passenger ferry that ran from Victoria to Vancouver for a few years before the pandemic, Uh and that company went out of business. That vessel was sitting in Victoria's Inner Harbor for more than two years without being operating. And somebody was paying that bill because they couldn't get it off their hands. So I don't think there's a huge market for secondhand ferries in this province, or even in some cases worldwide. That's true. By the way, did, was that uh, wood chipper sold, or is it, or is it still the property? No, it hasn't come up yet. We don't know where it is. At one point, it was in the hands of the RCMP, but the wood splitter is still the property of the BC legislature. But we have been told that eventually it, it may get sold. I, I keep refreshing BC bid just to see yeah. if it's available because eventually the province will determine they don't need it and, and a lucky British Columbians will get to have their hands in one of the most fascinating scandals <laughs> in political history. Well, in do BC. you remember there was also luggage pur- purchase, was there not uh, yeah, there as well? Was. Yeah, because uh, when I was MLA... I don't know where that is. There were some subscriptions to magazines as well. I'm not yeah. sure they are. There's some suits. So all of those things still exist somewhere. Well, I, I was thinking, and you know, I was hoping, and I don't know if that luggage is sold. My my goal was that when I was MLA to actually put a bid in for that luggage. And then well, offer it, it up, you, and, and, and then just put it in the front of the front mirror of my constituency office, and call it the people's <laughs> luggage. So if you ever needed extra luggage, you could come by and just borrow it from the MLA. That was my goal. <laughs> it didn't come up for sale. So. It was supposed to be for you. The clerk said it was supposed to be for all MLAs to use. No, I'd, I'd buy it. I'd buy it out of my own pocket <laughs> and make it available and call it the people's luggage because they paid for it initially. So there, there you go. Thanks so much, Richard. My pleasure as always. Thanks for the chat, Jeff.